Hey there, it's been just about three months since I relaunched and released this podcast, and I have to say that it's been such a beautiful start to this journey. 17 episodes in, and about 2,000 downloads already. Along the way, I'm meeting the most amazing people, just like you. I've decided that it's now time to open up the realm of possibilities even more, so now I'm openly telling the universe that I'm ready for the perfect partner and or sponsor to help this platform grow and flourish even more. With your help, I can continue to serve socially conscious organizations by growing their reach, increasing their funding, and creating greater impact on the world. So let's talk. That's what this pursuit is all about. Am I right? So as a small celebration, I wanted to share a little segment of our most popular and most downloaded episode to date. It's from episode number three with Dr. Wissam Briji, founder and CEO of Briji Scientific an international Boston-based medical technology company founded in 2014 that developed the world's first portable digital native and low-cost infant incubator platform with a disposable housing. It's called the NICI. In this segment, I asked Dr. Brigi about the remarkable story that sparked the idea to create his very own infant incubator designed to significantly reduce neonatal mortality and morbidity globally. He calls it the Ferrari that can drive in the desert. Are you intrigued? Keep listening. Oh, and remember, this is only a small part of the episode. So if you love it, make sure to go back and listen to episode three in full. My name is Hethel Baman, and this is The Global Health Pursuit. Okay, I definitely want to talk about your story because the culmination of what Breezy Scientific is kind of started, correct me if I'm wrong, but it started way back when you had your first child, Danny. And I want to ask you just to really tell us the story of what happened, how this idea came about. I mean, it's just touching. (laughs) I just want to hear from you. Well, it's one of those things that no parents would want to actually see. I mean, we're lucky in a way. This has happened actually during the first uh, Gulf War. I was in Iraq and my wife was in her late stage of pregnancy when the war started. And in the middle of the the war, we fled Baghdad and we were actually in a town that we're not familiar with. So we'd, we'd even probably the same story of, of any refugee you hear when you see on, on TV today. It was just uh, horrific. And I, interestingly enough, I, I, I had things in my car that I was ready to deliver my baby. And of course, my wife was like, no way in hell. You're <laughs> no not going to touch me. <laughs> yeah, no way, Jose. You're not going to touch me. So I was like, okay, fair enough. You know, let, let's figure it out. So I had to to drive and it was so dangerous. I mean, this is in the middle of a bombing and explosions oh and all that in an area where we were, as I said, we were outside. We fled home. And we were comfortable in the sense that half of the family doctors, the uncles, the cousins, and her doctor is one of the best actually in the country. But when we fled, everything is gone. There is nothing underneath you. I mean, literally, you feel like you are in a free fall. 
And this is not only your life, but now there is your wife and where there's a baby is coming in. You don't know what to do. So I find this small hospital in this small town we were in, and it was literally almost abandoned. It was a skeleton of of, uh, two nurses and one doctor was stayed in in the hospital. And they didn't have electricity for like a couple months because the whole infrastructure was bombed. And it was freezing cold. And we had one candle in the hospital, literally. There was one candle we had in front of us, and there's a candle inside where the doctor and the nurse, and I can hear my wife really in, in agony. Yeah. And then the, the nurse came to me and she said, go get me some wood. I was like, what do you mean? And she said, your wife is freezing and I'm worried about the baby. And I said, there's no wood. I mean, this is like a manicured yard outside the hospital. It was just like, well, what are you going to find? So anyway, so I go outside. It was pitch dark. And as, as sad as this was really comic because I went into a pool of concrete that I didn't see. It was so dark. I literally walked right in it and, you know, hit my head on the floor, like literally laid on my back. Like a cartoon. Exactly. I mean, in the middle of all of this, and you you laugh about it years later. Right. But I didn't even pay attention to what happened to me. So I go around and I find little twigs or whatever. I go in and I pulled one of those stainless steel surgical containers, put alcohol and lit a little fire. And when Danny came, he was blue. Literally, she called me. I looked at him. I mean, the kid is dark. And she said that the baby's freezing. And I'm looking around. There's incubators just lined up in the room. And they were just a piece of junk. And it's so frustrating that it is right next to you and you can't save your baby. So literally within half an hour, and this anyway, so we took the baby. I ran to the car, put the heat on and trying to actually get the baby in the car, in the hospital, to keep him warm. So it really, one of those things is that even you don't know what happened to the baby, what's the effect, what really manifests from all of this. And years later, of course, you know, immediately we actually, we had plans to leave the country. And we were lucky we left and, you know, came to the U.S. And Danny grew up to be a healthy child. And then went to BU, finished pre-med, and then he decided to go public health. And this whole story, sometimes you try to block it from your mind. It's just so sad that one day came to me and he said, Dad, do you know that there is more than three and a half million babies died before 28 days? And you do know that the incubators is a big deal out of all of this? And I said, what are you talking about? What three and a half million? And said, annually, before 28 days. So I start digging and doing research, and I'm looking at the numbers. I was like, oh, my God, we were so lucky. The rest of the world, what happened to these families? And, and So being an innovator, an inventor, I had some ideas, actually, something I was working on for biocontainment space, a disposable one that you can actually do surgeries and other things mm-hmm. without having this complicated surgical suites and all that, and you can do it anyway. So when we looked at this, we said, okay, we can actually develop an infant incubator that it would have everything that a Cadillac of all incubators have that we will put it in this one, but we will make it better. So we went and broke down 
every single component of an incubator. What works, what doesn't. What is the problems? Electricity, infection, complicated components. Can't work on a solar, can work on a battery. Can you use it for transport? If there is no doctors, suddenly or even not suddenly, you know, in a war or something, but in a small town and there is no specialist, can a specialist have an access to this baby immediately, look at the data, look at the baby, and can actually guide the healthcare providers how to actually do this. So we looked at all of this and we start putting it together. So it became the, uh, the Ferrari that can drive in the desert. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about today's topic and guest, head over to the show notes linked in the description of this episode. There, you can get access to resources, links, and ways you can get involved in the pursuit for global health. And if you loved this episode, don't forget to write me a review on Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast on Spotify. It helps me get in front of more people just like you and continues to elevate the causes we are so passionate about. I'll see you in the next one.